Okay. Um, well, I'm going to be as quick as I can in many ways, but then who knows? I might waffle on forever, but I'll try not to. Um, there was just three things that came to me today that I felt that I wanted to share with you. The first one is this, that over the last few years, we have been building a community and a lot of people misunderstand what community means. Uh, a lot of people think that a community is a group where everybody's the same, they look the same, and they believe the same, they never have any disagreements, and everything is hunky-dory, and that's the sort of kingdom we're building, and especially when it's uh, attached to things like faith and Christianity. Oh, that's what it should be like. When actually, that's just not the truth at all. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. Because what real community does, it actually welcomes and allows everybody of every individual kind, place to be who they are. Now, you can imagine what trouble that causes. And we might talk a little bit about it as we go along, but I don't want to dwell on any of these three things too long. I just want to really just get to the point. See, uh, what came to me this morning, birds of a feather stick together. And when we're all alike, there's something that makes us feel very secure. And it's nice. It's comfortable. But the moment that we get different birds, you know, you get a lovely cockatoo that's squawking and not behaving itself, we don't quite feel as comfortable. Do you get my point? Now, in this place, I can just tell you right from the word go, we're a bunch of different birds. And it's because we're all at different places. We've all had different uh, stories. We've all had different contributions into our lives, which has made us very different. I mean, if I was to start to tell you what some people in here believe, you would say, well, I don't believe that. So how can I sit in the same church or the same pew with them well actually you can because you see it's all about being able to resolve differences and handle difference in a humility that is about being Christ-like but you see what happens is instead of trying to live that way we say let's go the easy route let's birds of a feather stick together and basically when we feel as though things are a bit odd or I don't like what's being said here or I don't like what happened to me there, we then think I'll go somewhere else. We do it in marriage, we do it in relationships when actually the sign of maturity is to say, do you know what, I'm hanging in here because there's something for me to learn. I'm not always right. Say it, I am not always right. I, I, I heard that. See, the thing was, Jesus turned up in a Jewish community, a wonderful Jew himself, and he started saying things that really did get up the noses of this wonderful Jewish community that Jesus was supposed to be part of. And he was saying things that sounded like a cockatoo. Do you get me? I, I've used a cockatoo because it's, you know, yeah, but cockatoos that tend to be the ones, aren't they the ones that swear at you occasionally in a cage? Which? 
Oh, the minor bird. Oh, do we call Jesus the minor bird then? I don't know. For instance, let me give you an example. One day, Jesus, as he was walking around, was talking to some people and he said to them, and I'm just going to condense it, I'm not giving you the whole thing. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. Now you might think, well, what's wrong with that? To the Jewish community, it caused an absolute riot because their law prohibited them from eating flesh and particularly drinking blood. So the very fact that Jesus had the audacity to come out with a piece of information like that was absolutely unbelievable. Now the thing is, some people said, we are not going to listen to that sort of stuff. And it says, from that day, many left him. Woo. But think about the ones who hung in there. Come on. The ones who thought, oh, I don't know whether I hang with this. I don't know whether I like what's being said. We've been told all these years that that's how it should be, blah, blah, blah. And they thought, but there's something. There's something. And so they hung in there. And one day, some of them were marched up a mountain. And Jesus was transfigured before them. And it says he rose with a great light up into the sky. And they went, oh yeah, just like that, absolutely. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And I am concerned that if we're not careful, we lose the miracle, which is community. It is a miracle. Now, I'm a different bird now. I started in this community a very long time ago and I was one type of bird. And boy, have I changed many, many times. I don't know what you think that I am. I might even be a penguin, you know. I don't know. Flightless bird, I don't know. But are you following my drift? I have changed. Why? Because there were certain things that were passed down to me in my Christian understanding from my parents, that made me a certain way, that made me look a certain way, that made me perform a certain way. And I had to come to a place where I was willing to assess all of that and come to a revelation for myself. And it made me a different bird. Now, is this making sense? Now, I can either say, all right, well, hang on a minute. I'm a different bird now, so where do I go where birds like me hang out? Or I say, no, I stay here and I do my thing and I say my little bitses and I help just keep helping people to grow and to think and to change. Don't you think that's brilliant? See, differences, whether we like it or not, is what? creates the problem yet if we would only let these differences be the thing that spare us on to, to find something that that like I said at the beginning if we'd never uh, accepted that the world was round we'd still be in a pretty awful mess wouldn't we so anyway the bible talks about us accepting each other as Christ accepted us do you hear that? Accept each other. 
Yeah, but they're not, you're not the same as me. You believe different things than me. No, it doesn't say when you're all the same, accept one another. It says accept one another when actually you're in the, the big mess of the differences. That's when you do the accepting. See, when does genuine love kick in? When does it kick in? I'm finding that we're in a, in a, in a, a, a generation where actually we're almost asking the question, when does it kick out? You know, how do I get out of this? Because somehow we can't just be willing to accept that these conflicts are the very thing that, that, that make us grow, that make us learn, that says, do you know what? There's another scripture that, that people often quote, and it says this, how can two men walk together unless they be agreed? And so we say, well, there you go. We have to all agree and we have to all be the same in order that we can walk together. But in fact, that's not really what it's saying. It says, how can two people really walk down the street together unless they agree to walk down the street together? I can walk down the street with Jenny and we can disagree all the way down the street, but we can still be in agreement to walk down the street together. Do you get me? And often people hear disagreements and they immediately associate it with division. Why? And then they'll, they'll bring up another scripture. Well, house divided against itself cannot stand. Do you know what? Me and him hardly agree on a thing. Hardly on a thing. But we agree that we are going to walk together and for 38 and a half years we've agreed to walk together and and I've got to throw this in here that agreement hasn't come because everything's been hunky-dory it came when actually the disagreement that came up was almost a deal breaker and that was when genuine love kicked in my family and some of you friends, and I'd like to say all of you, but not all of you are here at the time. So you know what I mean? That's when genuine love kicked in. And you know, it was then when it was, do you know, we disagree. Actually, we disagree incredibly. It's like you're over there and I'm over here. But I'll tell you what, I'm still going to walk with you. I'm still going to walk with you. And what I love about this is that this is the attitude of Christ. Because you see, we always... And the church is terrible for it. They're forever trying to find a deal breaker for God. And there ain't one. He says, okay, I don't like what you're doing. I don't agree with what you're doing. But I'll tell you what, I'm still going to walk with you. I'm still here. I'm not budging an inch. Think even about the prodigal and you might say, oh, well, you know, you're, you're wrong on this one. But what, you'll get my, my, my drift. There might have been separation. There might have been disagreement. But where was the heart of the father all the time? It was with his son. He says he's keeping look. So in, in his heart, he's walking still with his son. Because the moment he comes over the hill, who was there? 
And when Joel's singing this song about if you'll seek for me, I'm thinking, oh, it puts such an onus on you poor people here tonight to say, oh, come on, you've got to really seek. And if you really seek, you're going to find him. It makes it sound as though the onus is all on you. But the Bible talks about the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. And did he do it? The answer is categorically yes. So when we sing, if you will seek for me, you will find me. It's because if one moment we'll say, I will seek for you, Lord. Boom! You're found. Because you were actually always found. It's just you never knew it. Do you get me? No, I haven't a clue where I am. So I will try and move on. Where am I? When does genuine love kick in? While we were yet sinners, Christ died. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. And I find it most offensive which is a challenge to me to deal with it, so don't get me wrong, that what happens with all of us who profess to be lovers of God, it's while we are yet sinners, we withdraw. And that should never be the case. If we are going to have the same mind that was in Christ, we have to say, while you are yet messing around and doing stupid things, which is very destructive for your life, whatever one word you want to use to define sin, because I don't really care, because it gets a hot potato, that one, doesn't it? But however you want to define while we were yet sinners, I want to be able to say, while you're in the situation that you're in, that might be difficult, that I might not agree with, that I might find uh, offensive, I am not going to budge. Because that's the heart of Christ. Now, is this making sense? And I want us to get that spirit. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ. And we could read the rest, but can, can I move on? So, where am I? Oh, I've done that. I've done that. Yeah. Walking away from someone who's in trouble does not help them a bit. You might think, oh, well, you know, they're going to do their own things or whatever. It, it, it doesn't help at all. If you think that even from this platform, we are saying things that you disagree with, will you come and talk to us about it and let's converse together? Let's talk about it because you know what? You might be right and you might be going to give me the revelation of my life. But instead you say, oh, well, they're the leaders. They're not going to listen to anything, so why bother? No! See, it's about being teachable. Why do I read hundreds of books? Because there's people out there who know stuff. And I want to know stuff. And so I'll read this book here and I'll think, well, that's, he's not saying the same as this one here. Oh, yeah, but in chapter 15, boy, there was a little bit down there that was absolutely cracking. So do I reject it all? No, I love that. And then I read something else and, ooh, people don't like this guy, but, oh, I think he's amazing. Am I making sense? When we walk together, even in difficulties, this is where we're actually able to learn and say, come on, come on. I mean, Anth brought it the other week about, you know, the woman, the, the didn't throw the stone, but they didn't go and stand they all left. Do you get me? They left. And that was an awesome point. 
If you see somebody in difficulty, don't be thinking, oh, well, okay, I won't throw stones, but I'm just not going to have any involvement. No, go and involve yourself. No, okay, I know some people don't want that, but let's at least try. Hey, let's at least try. So I hope you're getting this. We are building here a house and a people of Christ-like love and a community of acceptance and genuine love. And that might mean that we're all absolutely out of our head. Because what it means that we might have to do is accept things, go with things, chew things over. But I am waiting to see a group of people who will actually go the distance. I'm waiting. We'll go the difference. My family have proved it to me. They went the distance with me. I felt that genuine love. And I know that we can do it in this house. Okay, that's my first bit. Right, two more bits. There are two things that probably matter more to me now as this new bird. And as I say this, you might hear me as a minor bird, you might not like what I'm about to say, but this is your opportunity to keep walking with me. Do you get, is that making sense? Yeah. Don't have to, but I'd like to believe you will, but I'm going to have a go. There are two things that have absolutely revolutionized my life. Now, I've been in what you would call this, oh, I hate the word, institution called Christendom Church whatever you want to call it, all of my life, I've never known anything else. And people will say, well, how fantastic. But in fact, it was one of the most difficult things because I was telling Jenny the other day, it was as though I only had one string to my fiddle. I don't know if you get that phrase. It's a bit of an old-fashioned one when you only have one string to your fiddle. So it only plays one note, you know. You know, like that. I didn't have a whole set of strings and it was all because my parents brought me up to be very much separated separated from anything else you know don't read any books that are secular or whatever because they're going to lead you astray and then you know don't you can't go out with your friends I was never allowed to go out with friends from school um, so everything was very tight and you know and it didn't do me any good I felt constantly like an alien everywhere I went. If I went anywhere with work, you know, to and have, <coughs> excuse me. If I went to work on a, on a course or whatever, I would be with a group of people and I would be looking for the Christian because of that, otherwise, I'd, what would I do? Because I didn't know what to do. And, and I mean, you know, to go into a bar, I mean, the floor would, open up and I'd go straight into hell you know that sort of thing now why I'm saying this is because there comes a point where you have to be able to say right I cannot continue to carry on something that someone else has given me I've got to figure this out for myself and I've got to anyway the two things that have probably revolutionized my life is this we've come up with a, a term and it's it's this the ungodlike God. And the other one, and I'm going to 
touch on them just for, for a little while. The other one is, the Bible disarms me. It doesn't arm me. I didn't say harm, I meant arm. Now, some of you on that one are going to say, hang on a minute. The Bible, you know, is what we arm ourselves with to fight. And to do, 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 do. That's what I was taught. And the first one, the ungodlike God, I was taught that, no, God is very godlike. And he's watching every minute of what you're doing. And, oh boy, you step out of line for one little step and he's ready to come. That's what I was taught. So these two things have become the most wonderful, freeing things in my life. The ungodlike God and the Bible disarms me. Now, you see, I could, I could put it this way. God wasn't who I thought he was right? And the Bible wasn't what I thought it was. Just two very simple things. And over the last probably five years, there has been a, an understanding that has come to me that has absolutely revolutionized my life. Now, like I say, when I say how that goes, you might think I'm a squawking parrot, but will you accept me? And then go away and have a think about it. And then come and talk to me. Let's have a, you know. See, I said it in the Christmas program. I said this. See, religion wants to kill and maim in order to protect and to preserve itself. And will kill to prove itself right. While the true gospel which is Christ, would rather die than impose itself on others, its love and acceptance demonstrated to its fullest. Now, when we talk about God being the uh, ungodlike God, you've just got to think about it for a minute because if you look at the Old Testament, it's anything but what I'm almost saying because the Old Testament is a very, it's expressing a very godlike God. If you're Go through it, God's been very godlike. Would you agree? And yet we get then to the New Testament, and it seems that there's this total opposite thing going on. And, and I'll, I'll come back to a, finish off in a little minute on that. But you see, why didn't Jesus, when he was before Herod, you know, when they were going to crucify him, and Herod's desperately trying to get him to admit that, are you the Christ? Why didn't he just say, yes, boom? He had every right. The, the godlike God. Do you get me? But in, what? Oh, incinerate your enemies. Yeah, that's a good one. But it, the Bible actually says he was silent. He was silent. Or, and there's another occasion where he says, well, you, you say that I am. What was going on for crying out loud? If you're God, you don't hold back. You've got stories where, where, where Jesus is saying, I'm healing you, but you don't say a word. What's that all about? If you want people to know who you were, you go around saying, get in the press. You're saying, come on, shout it out. I'm real, I'm, I'm it, I'm the one. But it was the total opposite. Now, don't you find that interesting? The ungodlike God. You see, 
The Jews expected a warrior. And again, I'm bringing you things I've said before, but I've got to use it to uh, reiterate what I'm saying. They wanted a warrior because in the Old Testament, their God always delivered them from their enemies and he zapped them and he did this. Walls came tumbling down and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so when Jesus came and they said, this is the Messiah, they said, okay, well, he's going to do the same as he did then because the Romans were now their present enemy. And they thought, this is what's going to happen. And did he? No. And of course, the Greeks wanted a philosopher that was so clever that they would, they, um, he would be greater than whoever was the philosopher at the time. I want to say Aristotle, Plato, but he was a bit later. They were later on, weren't they? But you know what I'm saying? They were looking for wisdom. And, and Jesus actually didn't tick the box of either. Now, why? Because that's not the way that he was going to operate. Isn't that awesome? It says that what Jesus was, was a stumbling block. <laughs> Do you like that? Hang on a minute. The God of all the universe, the God of all creation, it says he was a stumbling block. Can, can you get your head around that? He was a stumbling block. I wonder what they th figured he was, you know, how, how they perceived him not something you rate or recognize other than by faith but it says that he was the exact representation of the father oh so we have to think about that then so if it's the exact representation how he was being there was how God really is okay so this is the spirit that we're supposed to be of and I've already quoted this scripture, let this mind be in you. Let this attitude be in you that was in Christ. We die to being right. Why are we so hell-bent on wanting to know what's right? And why do we fear all the time that we might get it wrong? When the whole point really is hum being humble and be willing to die to whatever is going on. That, that's amazing, isn't it? Because Jesus could have said, hang on a minute, stop. Just hang on a minute, just stop. But he didn't. So what are we saying here? Zechariah 4 verse 6 says this. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit. Now, what is that spirit that we're talking about? What is the spirit of Christ? Now, I would say it's one of humility and it's, a, it's one that does not protect its reputation. And it's like I said at the beginning, it's not religion because religion protects and preserves itself and would rather kill. What this is saying is I would rather die than stand up and prove me right. He says, no, you make up your own mind, but I am, I'm, I'm just going to stand back. Now, that's why he's the young God like God. Do you not find that amazing? Okay, let me get to the next bit. I said that the Bible disarms me and not arms me. Do you get that? I'm not saying harms, I'm saying arms, like a weapon, right? Sounds very paradoxical because like I said, we were taught that, you know, with the, with, with, with the 
the Bible and the scriptures, we can fight through anything and this, that and the other. But if you think about it, it's a similar parallel to what I've just been talking about. See, what have we done and what have people done throughout the world with the Bible? They've taken scripture as truth and they've used it as a weapon against people. Be honest. But in fact, the Bible was never meant to do that. In fact, it it is put together in such a way that when I come back to it time and time again, I realise that, you know what, this keeps me always wondering. Have you thought about that? It keeps me always thinking, do you know what, I'm not sure. I'd like to think this is concrete and right, but then I might read somewhere else that it might lead me in another direction. So can you see what, it, what the Bible, the Word of God is doing? It's being as humble as Christ is himself. Because he's saying, I would rather it confuse you, uh, and I know somebody's going to shout at me for that, I'd rather it confuse you that you be so convinced about it that you kill somebody because of it. And I believe that they're the two most incredible things that when we grasp that, it changes our whole understanding of Christ and his message and what he wants to do for the world. See, you might be right. I might be right. Jesus was right. But what did he do? There was a verse that my dad always loved. And it was this. As a lamb before his shearers was dumb. He opened not his mouth. Do you get the, can you see the ungodlike God? Can you see it? There's nothing more different than a sheep being sheared. And you farmers will understand it. The sheep gets between the, the farmer's legs and he's shaving away and the sheep hasn't got a, doesn't stand a chance. He just has to lay there and submit, Right? As a lamb before her shearers is dumb, he opened not his mouth. Why? What was going on there? It's, there's a, we can tap into the humility of God. The Christ who came as his exact representation, he didn't need to prove himself right. So you see, in Colossians 2 verse 15, we have a wonderful link so what I'm trying to get across, and with this I'm, I'm finished. It says, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing by his cross. Right, having disarmed. How did he disarm the principalities and powers? Did he go down there and, you know, literally fisticuffs, whatever? No, he disarmed them by the humility of his death. See, it says he triumphed over them by his what? Cross. He triumphed over them through his cross. What was his cross? His cross was his death. And so he, with his death, he goes down into wherever the, the, these principalities and powers were and by the very act of death itself is what disarms. And so I am sort of bringing to you the revelation that you see in our lives we, we disarm others 
when we are willing to disarm ourselves. And it's just a wonderful thought that it's not might that makes right, which is an incredible phrase that is used a lot in, 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 in the world. Might makes right, but no, it's by his humble death that makes right. Is this making sense? Um, in a book I've been reading just lately, um, there's, a, there's a guy who talks about right-handed power versus left-handed power. And you might think, well, you know, what's this all about? But you see, right-handed power is direct, straight-line, intervening power, which we see in the Old Testament, don't we? But you see, when we get into the New Testament, we see a different sort of power that for all the world looks like weakness. Think about it. And a lot of people say to themselves, well, I don't, I don't know whether I want a God like that. But it's humility and a willingness to look almost like weakness is where the power lies. Do you hear it? It's incredible. So we disarm when we are disarmed and when we are willing to operate in a power that looks to all the world like weakness. But what happens? What happened on the third day? It says, and God raised Jesus who was crucified and now he is ascended and he is Lord. You see, resurrection comes because of a power that almost looks to the world as weakness. But that's when God gets involved and God raised him. So, this is what I want to leave you with. I want this mind to be in you that was in Christ. Let this attitude be yours. Operate by this spirit. I want you to let the word of God disarm you. Now, I know some of you are going to struggle to get your head around that. Let's not use the word of God to prove anybody wrong. Let's use it to actually be willing more for us to be like Christ, to be willing to lay down in order that what looks like weakness is where the resurrection life can come. Is that making sense? I hope you're getting it. And then be unique, different bird. Be a unique, different bird that can handle conflict and let's agree to keep walking together. Now, like I said, I might have been a cockatoo with my big yellow thing on my head and you might think, heck, where's all that come from? How do I get my head around that? But this is your opportunity to say, do you know what? I don't have to be in this place and agree or, or get my knickers in a twist over anything. But what I'm going to do is let the Spirit of God do what it always does. It hovers. It hovers. And it's, it's going to reveal to you where you need to be and you're on your journey. And that's what this is all about. It's the uniqueness of the, of the journey for us all, isn't it? So... Will you take that? Will you receive that? Shall we just stand up and just for one minute, just commit ourselves? Can we? I know it's tough. We're all such different people, but can we commit ourselves to agreeing to walk together? Can we? Can we? Let's try, because we're all so different. Lord, 
I just want to thank you for what you've done in my life. I want to thank you that you have changed me. You've, you've turned me upside down. You've shaken all the rubbish out my pockets. Even fluff that was down there, you've got rid of it. And, and Father, I just give you such thanks that the story is not over yet. We haven't got all revelation and we haven't got it all right. But every single day you're giving us a new piece of understanding that, that's, that's showing you to be so incredible. But not as the God of violence or the, the God of war or the, the, the God of the Old Testament. But of this meek, humble, wonderful saviour who was willing to die for us and it's so incredible and I just thank you Lord and I ask that this spirit will be in us and we will continue from this day Father to be extensive, to be outward focused, to be paying it forward because we want your gospel which is the true gospel, the true gospel to be seen in this land. And Lord, we just pray for everything that we're involved in in this house. Those that never ever p sit on, it, on any of these seats, but we're constantly involved with the kids at the skate park, the, the people around, the, 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 the people over at James Street, the, the different uh, situations that we're constantly dealing with. Lord, they're part of, of this incredible body. And we just thank you, Lord, that... that, that that we've, we've got a missional attitude. We're not just concerned about what's under this roof, but we're out there and we're going for it with the good news of your gospel. And so we agree to walk together and we ask, Father, that this community will be being built all over the world because of the attitude that we have, which is the attitude of Christ. So we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. <laughs>